Greetings and welcome to Mysteries of the Mornland. Mysteries of the Mornland is a level up, advanced 5th edition actual play horror podcast set in the world of Eberron. As a horror podcast, listener discretion is advised. You can find a full list of content advisories in the episode description. Again, listener, welcome. We are excited to have you. Welcome, players. Hello. 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 Greetings. I've been so excited for this campaign for a long time. And all I have to ask before we hop in is, is there any orientating business that we have before we hop right in? Do we want to do a roll call? Mm-hmm. Good call. Okay. Is Sentec uh, here? Yes. Who is Sentek? Sentek is our resident artificer artillerist, ready to help mechanically on the battlefield. Very good. Is Rook here? Rook is here. Uh, tell us about Rook. Uh, Rook is our actor and mage on hand, uh, who is, quite frankly, here by accident. <laughs> Very good. Is Chef here? Chef's here. Say a thing about Chef. Chef is our dragonborn, Templar of the Silver Flame, retired. And how about Van? Is Van here? Yes. Tell us about Van. Van is our resident fighter, um, ready to bring a big old halberd into battle and slay what needs slaying. The year is 998YK. It's only a month or two into the new year, on Alarun 20th. In fact, the anniversary of the Day of Mourning. It was on this day that was decided long ago that the opening ceremonies of the Alarun 20 Commission would convene. Hosted by Morgrave University, the foremost but somewhat shady university of Sharn, the City of Towers. It's been a dreary day, fitting for late winter. The heat and warm air coming off the southern coast has rammed up against the cold airs of the continent and is causing a tremendous downpour, which you all can see from the enormous glass dome ceiling, which looking from the horizon, glows gold on the skyline. But from inside, there is only glitz and golden glam to see. 
people from every walk of life and every uh, faction, group, image, look like, but all dressed up to do, uh, have all convened for the opening ceremonies of the Alderon 20 Commission. The keynote speaker is one lightning bolt Angela Dorian. Uh, who here is trained in history or culture? Both, in fact. Okay. Anybody else? No, surprisingly. Nope. Lightning Bolt Angela, you see her from wherever you're sitting in the crowd. She is about six foot one, and that's not only an impressive size to begin with, but she's also... 102 years old. She has dark skin, amber-colored eyes, and her poofy gray hair is tied up with a blue headband. She's giving a keynote on how important cooperation between the five nations, oops, sorry, now four, is, and how people of all different types can get together. Sentek, you know, by virtue of your training both in culture and history, that Lightning Bolt Angelo is a bit of a international hero of sorts. She's well-loved. She was a postman during wartime, and there are fairy tales, frankly, about how widespread her goodwill was. She would, she's famous for delivering packages to children in the, even the remotest villages. Ah, oh, I like this person. Yeah, she's very likable. She uh, has a great stage presence. Uh, she's charismatic. Of course, her stage presence isn't enough to distract you, Sentek, when one of your fellow guildsmen comes and sits beside you. This member of the Tinker's Guild is, like you, a gnome. He tosses a newspaper into your lap from where the two of you are seated. seated. I take a look at it. He says, no, no, the second page. All right. About halfway down, it talks about how a recent delivery to Morgrave University was suddenly disappeared in the middle of the night. Apparently, it was a really, really interesting discovery related to what are called docents. Does anyone know what a docent is, by the way? This is a bit of intense Eberron lore. Mm. Mm -mm. I remember reading about it, but I don't remember what it was. A docent is a magical orb. It is made of metal, and it's covered in dragon shards. Warforged use docents to... Docents have intelligence inside of them, you see. And so they use them both as translation devices and ways of communicating skill. Well, an ancient docent was discovered in the midst of Zendric, and it's just gone completely missing. And it is at this point that your contact, Sentek, gives you another letter. I, I intently read the letter. The gnome nods at you knowingly. He says, stay small. That's a gnomish greeting used by certain gnomes with certain associations. And I'll say you as well. This person disappears into the crowd. <laughs> it's now at the dinner reception. 
the dinner reception where incidentally everyone's finalized paperwork is being returned to them. Everyone has been pre-checked for their boarding onto the lightning rail. And it's this information that's getting returned to everyone while everyone enjoys a wine and dine chitting chatting with folks. What's everyone doing at this moment? How many people are here? Is this like a big crowd? There are somewhat more than a hundred folks who are on the commission itself who are actually going on the mission, but there are support staff and important folks that easily multiply the crowd by five. So this is a chance for diverse folks to get in contact with each other, some of whom haven't seen or much less talked to folks on the other side of the war since since the war. Rock, uh, having traveled far and wide, is looking around to see if there's anyone she might recognize around. Not anyone in particular, more so just places where she could start talking. Uh, she wants to get to know the folks she's traveling with, if, if at all possible. Incidentally, how is Rook dressed for this evening? Uh, Rook is dressed very elegantly. She's got kind of a uh, an older, more mature appearance to her. Um, and she's dressed the part, kind of a scholar's robe uh, with a tie set around her neck and wearing a crest of Brayland on her lapel. Just a very formal appearance, very much trying to impose an air of authority upon herself. There's a call for the dance that you hear ring out, and some folks pair off to dance to a very, it's actually a bit of a modern tune, but it's able to be danced with to using traditional dances. And who should come around from the snack bar but a certain elf you recognize very well? You don't know his name, but you know him. He's that guy. Uh, that's fair. Rook sort of uh, makes their way over and just very casually leans up nearby um, and doesn't really make eyes toward him, just remains close and allows him to address them. He gestures with a hand towards you. Care for a dance? Oh, yes, I would. They take it and follow it onto the floor. All right. Would you please make a culture check for me? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you can you can use charisma or dexterity, whichever you prefer. Okay. Oh, yeah, physical dice. Nice. The first roll. Yeah. Uh, that is, ooh, an eight. <laughs> and what ability score bonus are you using here? Uh, charisma. All right. Which puts you at 11? No, eight total, sorry. <laughs> eight was not the uh, die roll. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, the elf you're dancing with smirks and makes some adjustment. He's a very talented dancer and makes it quite easy for you to to do your thing. Even if you're even if you're tripping on yourself or feeling a little unconfident, he seems to know the moves to make that disappear. He says I have a letter for you. Another one so soon. Interesting. He takes it out of his waistcoat pocket and puts it gently and discreetly into your hand, such that it looks like one could be mistaken for thinking that y'all were holding hands quite sweetly. They make a motion of the dance in turn and stash it in their uh, scholar's robes. The dance ends. He bows. They bow back. And stares.
and in time disappears. Yeah, they find somewhere off to the side and out of the way and makes a reading through that note. <laughs> there are two people in the ballroom who folks from all sorts just keep eyeing. One is a warforged and one is a dragonborn. Chef and Van, how are y'all making out in this situation? Awkwardly? <laughs> you said this was a dining room, right? So is it safe to presume there's food? Yes, there are large tables filled with hors d'oeuvres, the center of which is cleared for dancing and socializing. Of course, there's room everywhere for socializing. It's quite well lit, all considering. I think Sheth is standing off to the side, uh, off of the dance floor, uh, has found uh, a plate of hors d'oeuvres to snack on and is just kind of standing, looking around the room, figuring that if someone needs to talk to him, they'll come find him. There's a knight that you know from your order. He's chatting with some folks in the corner, including some other burly, muscly folks. He gives you a wave and continues picking at his cheese plate. What does Van do? Well, Van, having no need for food or drink, is left with the only option to socialize. However, being from Karnath, he has no desire to socialize with any of the other countries because he's still dealing with knowing nothing but uh, fighting them all of this time. So at this point, he's basically wandering around looking for fellow Karnathi, or sorry, Karn to talk to and trying awkwardly to socialize with them, but failing miserably because he's terrible at starting up conversations. You see two folks who are familiar with you, or you are familiar with. One is dressed in black armor. One is dressed in a black robe. And sure enough, both of these men have their hair tied up in a ponytail. The man in robes of whom has grayish black hair. The other one, jet black. They both also wear silver necklaces, each bearing a pendant depicting a skull with a blood-red ruby clenched in their gaping jaws. That is the holy symbol of the religion known as the Blood of Fall, a sect which preaches the power of the blood, which was once the state religion of Karnath. Uh, I think I know who they are. Oh, who do you think they might be? Um, I believe the one in the robes seems to be perhaps Brother Drago Nelview, perhaps? Uh-huh. And the one in the armor is Sir, and if I'm saying this wrong, let me know, but Sir Baker? Yeah, Sir Backer. Backer, sorry. Backer. He prefers folks call him by his first name, Gustavus. Oh, Gustavus. Uh, but no one could fault you for calling him by his last. Uh, yes, it's Sir Gustavus and Brother Drago. Uh, they're sort of got a bunch of really, uh, well... Give, what's your uh, insight, your passive insight? Eleven. Uh, Eleven. Oh, yeah, the folks they're hanging out with seem cool. Okay, well, in that case, Van will walk over and uh, introduce himself. Um, say he's here under the orders of King Caius, and he's willing to assist any other Karn in any sort of struggles or assistance they may need. And then he 
awkwardly looks at himself because he realized he said that wrong, but it's all right. <laughs> so Gustavus reaches out with a hand. He he has a dour look about him, but he extends you his hand politely enough for a shake. Brother Drago, on the other hand, has had quite uh, a surprising number of cups of wine for this early in the evening, and he he comes up and gives you a big hug. Van almost instinctually tries to body slam Drago, but then realizes that it's a hug and it's not something he's particularly accustomed to, so he slowly gives him a polite pat on the back. <laughs> Drago pulls himself out of your embrace and pats you on the chest twice. Oh, Sir Warforge, you don't need to be so defensive. Hey, you're from, you're from the fatherland, man. You're great. You're great. Thank you. Hey, what was your name again? Vanguard, but my friends call me Van. (gasps) Van the dude. Van the (laughs) steel man. Yeah, I'm gonna get another drink. Good luck Uh, with that. And at this point, the man in the black robes disappears into the crowd. I'll lean over to Gustavus and just briefly comment. It sounds like he seems like he's having fun. Gustavus rolls his eyes. He says, a man of any other religion would have been kicked out and stripped of his vows. But he's a seeker. And I'm sure you can appreciate this, Sir Warforged. Power lies within us all. Indeed it does. Indeed it does. So, individualism, for better or worse... If you'll excuse me, sir. Uh, Vanguard? You could call me Van. He salutes you with a pound to the chest and dismisses himself. Sheth, I know that I sort of, you didn't get a very large turn here, but is there anything else that anyone would like to do while they remain here? Uh, Sheth's pretty happy to just keep looking around, sort of sizing up the crowd, trying to identify where everyone's from, what uh, organizations people are representing, has definitely... Uh, looked over at the Warforged a handful of times with what is uh, probably approximating a neutral expression. <laughs> sure. Why don't you give me a insight check? Make it wisdom based. Oh boy. Oh boy. That is a big seven. <laughs> well, you definitely see that there are lots of folks probably from all sides of the war and You imagine that there's folks from all different kinds of guilds here? There are presumably 12 main branches of guilds. It is said that each of these 12 divisions of industry are each run by a single family, all of which are tantamount to royalty. They are called the Dragonmarked Houses, and each house uses their hereditary magical sigils to maintain dominion over commerce throughout the land. But you have a hard time keeping track of them in your mind, and and at least with how overwhelming the situation is, it's hard to pin who might be with whom or what. All right. That makes Sheth a little uncomfortable, wishing he could identify who exactly was here, but he's not too turned off by it, and he eats some more cheese. The evening is somewhat brief. 
Before all too long, everyone is chauffeured away from the dance floor and into air taxis. The air taxis have their awnings spread so as not to get their passengers wet in the torrential downpour. You all make your way to the Orion Lightning Rail Station, where various gnomes authenticate your paperwork using their magical sigils and shovel you off into the lightning rail. Most of the cars are organized by the main division that the expedition has, so mainly that's security, intelligence, and support staff. So the three of y'all are initially, or sorry, the four of you, God, what? The four of you are initially... Uh, I'm very small. <laughs> Even a bit. Three and a half. <laughs> y'all find your seats wherever you may. And dinner is about to be served. A halfling in a really nice black and white waistcoat comes up and wants to take each of your order. What do each of you have? Syntec knowing that once we get out into the fields, a good meal is going to be hard to come by, is going to want to get something a little bit decadent. Make use of probably the last one of the last times they're going to have a waitstaff once we get out on mission. So whatever seems... If if it's all offered for the sake of the mission, then whatever is the top item on the menu, and then if not something that's affordable but yet still a little nice. <laughs> the halfling nods, and he says, Well, sir, all the food is courtesy of House Galanda. It's our part of our donation to the commission. So, yes, food is on us, and we're happy to give you our best. In fact, the, the, in that case, the top two items. <laughs> Wonderful choice. Now, will that be the red or the white wine? Red. Beautiful. And incidentally, you you are Sir Sentek, yes? Yeah, yes. You've been requested to take your dinner in car 3C. Oh, uh, thank you very much. We'll have your dinner there when it's ready. Oh, well, thank you, and you have a wonderful day. The halfling goes to each of you in turn. Who wants to order next? Are we all near each other? Not necessarily. Okay. Would I have heard a Syntex order? Why not? <laughs> if Sheth heard Syntex order, he would have at first been thinking sort of, hey, you know, whatever is whatever is good. And then he'll hear Syntex order. And when the halfling comes over, say, I'll have exactly what that guy ordered. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should say that, Sir Dragonborn. You'll be taking your dinner exactly where he's going, too. Isn't that convenient? Cabin C3, sir. Chef nods. Having noticed how awkwardly everyone was staring at him during the ball, Van will actually order a half-empty glass of water just to carry around with him to seem like he's trying to (laughs) blend in. That's great. Nice. The halfling smiles and says, how sensible. He whips out a glass and brushes his finger around the tip of the glass. It fills with water instantly. Here you are. I know that many people of your persuasion often do not have large appetites. Nonetheless, you've been invited to join a conversation in C3. Very well then. I I will head that way then. Thank you. Much obliged. I'm looking for a rook. Uh, yes, that would be me. 
Aha, of course. Hello, what can I get you for dinner? Rook is going to order, she's still, she's going to order, like, a seafood platter. Like, something relatively fancy, but not elaborate and exuberant. (laughs) Ah, very good choice. I I will have to recommend the white wine for this one, but you're welcome to drink whatever you choose. No, you're correct. White will pair well with this. Thank you. Of course. Um, C3. You've been invited to dine there, and we will prepare your dinner to be delivered there when it's ready. Thank you very much. We'll be there in short order. He bows and takes his exit. So, everyone, what do you do? I'll immediately take my, get my stuff and start heading to C3. Shut's the same. He, he's been told where to go. He goes there. Van will meander a little bit at the party, and then... Get head that way. Rook takes their time a little, kind of like interacting with people in the uh, seats near them, kind of still trying to schmooze a little and get to know the folks. But after maybe five, ten minutes, heads down to the car in question. Beautiful. So this is in a different car than the general seating area where y'all were, i.e. the main dinner car. The seats were facing one another around various tables, and you're being brought ahead a couple cars to a private dining car. There's a booth, each with a little room discreetly... Each with a little room so folk can can discreetly have their dinners. And so, C3, first arrives the gnome and then the dragonborn. There's nobody else here for right now. Oh, were you also sent to this car? Yes, I was. Mm, I feel that we're probably here for the same reason. And the same food. A crack of lightning peels out in the distance. A little unusual for this time of year. Sheth smiles a little bit. Uh, Is that uh, something... Does it look like there's a storm happening? Or does it look like there was a different origin of that? Uh, There's no reason to assume it had a supernatural origin. This is probably the same rainstorm that uh, was raining on your parade earlier. (laughs) All right. Uh, Sheth will look out in that direction even after the the lightning has faded and just say, uh, seems we're off to a good start by my measure. No, really? Well, at least they have good food. That's always a good way to start a mission, I think. Agreed. I'm Sheth. Syntec, and I will reach up, up, up with my hand. (laughs) How tall is Syntec? I think average gnomes are like a little more than a couple feet, if I remember right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's probably, he's not average gnome height, so a little more than a couple feet tall. Oh, okay. So, Sheth is, pro- is like almost three times yeah. <laughs> as tall. Sheth's Shet, going on seven, not quite there. <laughs> I, I reach up and then my shoes elevate me a little bit so that I can... Sheth <laughs> will very courteously lean down a little bit to shake your hand. This is with his giant dragonborn claw. Uh, and then Chet's going to go take a seat. A knock occurs at the door, and a warforged enters. Uh, pardon me, is this C3? If I counted the cars right. Very well, then. I, I, I have a, I've been invited here. Did, did one of y'all invite me? No, but we were also invited. Oh. Okay, well, uh, 
you mind if I come in and take a seat then? Yes, welcome to the invited party. Come have a seat. Uh, a quick question. Would, would I, would Sheth be able to tell that Van is Carnathy? Uh, Sloan? Um, I don't necessarily think so. I'm not wearing anything, or Van's not wearing anything that's particularly, um, there's no Carnathy crest or anything on him. I mean, I, I guess if you, perhaps if you know enough about, uh, weaponry, you might be able to recognize a Carnathy blade, but, but otherwise, no. Uh, what kind of armor is Van wearing, or is he, uh, or is he going the way that he was made? <laughs> Good old Warforged birthday suit. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes, as far as the, the birthday suit. Gear-wise, he's wearing a halberk, but you know, I'm, I don't think he, he would really look that great with a halberk on as a Warforged. So I'm just having him in his birthday suit, and that's his, uh, yeah, just his natural armor, just metal plating around. And I guess it's of halberk quality, we'll say. <laughs> a halberk-esque physique. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well then, Sheth, in recognizing uh, what I assume is a fellow big beefy soldier, will simply say, come have a seat, friend. In fact, you both immediately recognize each other as soldiers. Yeah. Sheth, I imagine, has a uniform on. Ah, say more. So typically, Sheth's full armor is also a hauberk, um, which I imagine is part of his uniform. And so Sheth's typical armor, and this may or may not be his fully decked out suit, but a tabard over the front with the large, very noticeable symbol of the silver flame. And then around it are a whole variety of various insignia and emblems of military rank and military accomplishments. And Sheth also wears a big, thick, dark gray cloak with the hood, you know, back hanging over the back and sort of draping down around him. Okay. And I I take it through that I can recognize what nation you're from? Probably. So the Church of the Silver Flame is based in and runs uh, the nation of Thrain. And uh, if there's any sort of Thrainian symbol that a decorated officer would have, Shet's got it. Okay. Well, recognizing the uh, Thrainian insignias, Van is a little tense to come in. He understands that the war is well and done, but he's always got a natural distrust of other um other nations at this point, so he's he's trying to be polite right now and trying not to uh, trying to suppress any feelings he may be having right now. But he awkwardly comes in and sits down, somewhat nervously, and appreciates the hospitality. It is at just this moment that another knock on the door occurs. This time, a woman with uh, grayish black hair is at the door. Did I get that description right, yeah. Sandra? Okay, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> Uh, she's kind of, yeah, graying black hair, a mole on her cheek, kind of an older, distinguished look. Hmm. Good evening. Uh, are you the company I was called to dine with in this car? C3? C3, yes. Interesting. Um, and she enters, pulling the door shut behind her. Quite a storm out there tonight. It's rather lovely, if a little concerning for our expedition. Ominous. Uh, 
I'm Rook, by the way. Oh, Syntec. And I'm Chef. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you all. Trying to awkwardly make conversation, Van starts talking and saying that uh, the storms aren't too bad uh, from my experience. I mean, it's just a little bit of rain and lightning. That never really hurts anyone, at least from my experience. Hmm. Not very often, at least. In my experience, it can hurt someone quite badly, but not on its own, usually. (laughs) At this moment, a gust of wind pushes a large wave of raindrops onto your window. It's just a little loud. Hmm. Chef doesn't doesn't necessarily say anything, but seems even a little bit calmed by this. (laughs) Chef's pretty happy to see rain and, and hopefully hear some thunder in the distance. Perhaps the storm will conspire to make fools of us yet. I start checking the seals on, like, various of my gadgets and stuff, making sure that what needs to be watertight is watertight. Make an investigation check with your intelligence bonus. First roll. That's a seven total. All right. Uh, Looking through your bag, you don't see anything that's necessarily the matter. Although, uh, suddenly, your eye does catch the glow of the electricity emanating from underneath the rail. As you all might remember, lightning rails are a lot like trains in our world, but they are lifted and propelled by lightning elementals. Lightning elementals live in various crystals called guiding stones along the ground, and combined with the lightning elemental in the main engine cause the train cars to levitate and zoom. Everything seems in working order? Everything seems in working order. In fact, the glow on the rain shows that the lightning elementals are quite healthy. Oh, I admire their handiwork. This this is a good lightning train. Has anyone been by to tell you why we may have been called to dine together such as this? Not so far. I was told my food would be here. Hmm. You will have to wait on the food just a moment longer, says a voice from inside the cabin of the room you're in. Is there a body associated with this voice? (laughs) Yes. uh, Somehow there is a woman sitting there beside y'all. This is a round room, you see, and sitting on the opposite side of the door between all four of you, directly in the middle is the keynote speaker from earlier, Lightning Bolt Angela. On her wrist, beneath her sleeve, you see shimmering blue markings in contrast to her dark brown skin. The crisscrossed streaks seem to depict an arrowhead shape, or perhaps the abstract profile of a bird of prey. This must be one of those arcane birthmarks you keep hearing about. Dragon marks, they're called. Hereditary sigils, which give the heirs of the houses of industry their magical powers. Sitting amidst you all as she is, between her physical size and social presence, Lightning Bolt Angela seems to be looming above you, even compared to the Dragonborn. Not unlike a spider 
sitting casually in the corner of her web. She smiles her signature smile, and she says, If you'll permit me, I must steal you all away from dinner for just a few moments more. I have a pressing matter to discuss with you all, and I would very much like to have a piece of your mind. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Mysteries of the Mornland. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you like what we do and want us to keep up the good work, check out our Patreon. There are a variety of backer levels and rewards, and patronage of any size helps us keep the podcast up and running. The song you're listening to is Collision by Derringen, which we found on ocremix.org. You can find the information on all our music in the episode description. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you again next time.